Hi, and welcome to the House Hack Podcast. An exploration of modern work and how young professionals and businesses can work together in pursuit of the careers of tomorrow. Ryan and Charlie here. We're so glad you could join us. Let's get into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the House Hack Podcast. Super excited to have you listening in today. We're joined today by Rima Patel. Rima, great to see you. Excited to get chatting. So Rima, transition from a career as a chartered accountant, auditing FTSE 100 companies, into designing, building and delivering global learning and development programs for over 3,000 employees. She then joined Escape the City and Remote Year to support diverse communities to find more meaningful work, start businesses and travel the world. Impactful brings together her experience, helping people to redefine personal and business success towards a more inclusive definition, one that includes our impact on the people and the planet all around us. So hopefully done you justice there with that introduction. How are you? Hi, yeah, good to be here. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys today. Awesome, awesome. So maybe start off where you are now and then we'll, we'll work backwards from, from there. So in your own words, what does Impactful do? Where are you now? Yeah, so at the moment, um, I run Impactful. We started that at the beginning of 2020 following a year on a social innovation and entrepreneurship program called Year Here. Um, impactful exists to help businesses be more impactful, so more um, impact on their environment and sustainability, but also um, on people as well. And we kind of take that really holistic approach. So it's not just about your impact on the environment or your impact on people. It's a big kind of combined effort and that businesses can kind of be having so much more impact across all of those different factors. Um, and we work as a business consultancy, essentially. So we do uh, work with directly with businesses, but we also do education. So we kind of think there's a bigger piece of work to be done around helping businesses understand uh, what it means to be a more responsible business so we write lots we've just released a playbook which talks a lot about that um, and do workshops as well to help businesses really get under the get under the skin of that and then we help them once they're ready to kind of go on that journey amazing thank you for that summary so it's a massive theme isn't it getting impact getting more impactful i'm sure there'll be loads of puns like that later <laughs> on but Maybe to, to kind of leave that context for, for the time being and, and go back to the beginning or, or certainly a key part of your journey. So let's talk about your four and a half years at PwC. What kind of role did that have in shaping where you are today? Yeah, so PwC was really formative for me, I would say. I actually stumbled into the role very haphazardly. Um, I, I went to a grad, a grad fair at university, I opened the Times top 100 graduate employers and PwC was top of that list and just applied thinking nice. it must be good So uh, if this book is telling me to and I was really lucky to get an internship and then a job offer there. Um, I think what I learned a lot from working in that world was just about what it means to be in the working world I suppose and professionalism and business, uh, met lots of incredible very very smart people and I also saw and felt what it feels like to have kind of financial security and the benefits of working for a global large organization like that. You kind of earn very well, you kind of have lots of perks and benefits, life is really, really comfortable and you kind of get to think about yourself in that sort of stable kind of way. Um, I think what I learned very quickly, though, was that in an organization like that, it, there is kind of a mold to fit. There's a person that you're kind of aspiring to be. 
to get ahead and I gen I kind of quickly realized that I probably didn't fit the mold quite exactly um, and when I looked ahead of me and looked at the kind of senior leadership I couldn't really see people that I wanted to kind of become and so that was the sort of first hint that maybe it wasn't for me for kind of my longer term career. Nice so really about looking forward to those who are around you and seeing how they embody the values and the people you want to become I think that's a really good way of looking at how your future is turning out and how you can take change in it as well. So I think after you kind of left PwC, you went on this bit of a journey of taking these different programs and then you kind of ended up with year here on a, a postgraduate program. How come after eight years of industry experience, you decide to get back into academia in some way and to kind of shape your career that way? Yeah, so after PwC, I kind of bounced around a lot of different startups doing some really exciting, interesting work. But when I came to my the end of the role at Remote Year, I kind of knew that I really wanted to do something that very consciously had a positive impact. And I don't think that had been a major part of my role, at any of the organisations I had worked for previously. So then I sort of got that sense that actually I really need to learn about this. If I'm going to do it properly, if I really want to have an impact, I want to know what that looks like kind of really clearly. And I'd done loads of different things since kind of leaving PwC and even at PwC, but I didn't feel like I had a really strong idea of what my skill set was because I hadn't just done one thing for eight years. I've done lots of different things. And I also came out of remote year feeling like I really wasn't ready to jump into a new job. So it felt like I was looking for something to do in the interim to sort of redirect my career towards positive impact. And then I started looking for learning programs, so ways to really kind of deepen my knowledge and skill sets around what it means to make social and environmental change. And year here happened to kind of stumble across my path and it really ticked those boxes to help like really practical learning and a whole year of immersive understanding of what it means to make change. Um, and it was exactly what I needed. Awesome. Um, from my understanding, part of their program is for you to start your own business as well. And was that kind of the cherry on top for why you decided to sign up or was that really the core essence of what you wanted to get out of it was it the end goal to have your business or to learn more about social impact through year here yeah so when I started the program I was actually very open-minded as to what the end result might look like but I, when I was looking for programs I kind of saw a few other options and they were very much more about getting a career in the social impact space and I definitely wasn't drawn to those for some reason I wanted the opportunity to potentially start my own project to learn about all these different problems and actually think what do I want to do to contribute to those solutions um, and so I wasn't 100% start like set on that but I kind of was open to the idea of it and what was really great about the program was that I found my co-founders we found an idea that we were all really passionate about and wanted to work on and so far nothing has really stopped us from kind of creating that idea and that business um, I also think that I really wanted some control over my days and weeks. So the idea of running your own thing really lent itself to that. So I was kind of open to that idea and ready to take it if the opportunity came up. And luckily for me, I've kind of found the idea and the people to work with to make that happen. Awesome. So you kind of built this team, you've got these really cool people together and you're doing something you're kind of more passionate about in a socially impactful space. Mm -hmm. Would you say that through that you've found purpose in your work now and found how to be both impactful in the work you do but also in the daily life you live as well yeah I think I'm really lucky because obviously purpose is sort of baked into the mission at a very meta level with impactful right so we help businesses have more purpose and meaning and impact and so naturally just by through what we do 
I can kind of see how I'm contributing to kind of bigger picture. Um, and we're, um, I get to start each week with the overarching question of, you know, what can we do to support businesses to think differently about success? You know, how do we make it really easy um, and exciting to build businesses that are good for the world? Um, and there's so many different elements to that question, which keeps me really challenged and motivated every day and kind of talking to my, my kind of partners or to my co-founders or to the businesses that we work with. It's such a fun, exciting kind of question to constantly be thinking about and working towards. And I think the other kind of contextual parts of my purpose for me is that I get to work with great people, which is one of the main things that make me feel like I'm doing something that I want to be doing. Uh, working with really smart, intelligent, purpose-driven people. Um, and then also the work that I do enables me to live the life that I want. So as much as the business and the work that I do is really important, I actually really love that it allows me to look after my health, build on my relationships, live a really comfortable life that's like not super stressful. Um, and that's a really big part of my purpose, right, is to kind of live a life of meaning outside of work or kind of around work as well. Yeah, kind of seeing seeing work as that vehicle to beyond work almost and, and seeing everything around that and, and how it is just a piece to to your personal puzzle what's interesting for me to think about as well is is the distinction between startups and smaller organization versus the the corporate world and it's often a story or a decision that graduates and, and young people really see a big canyon kind of between really so when based on your experience you you might speak to to young people who who you know are, are listeners of one of them, but through your through your work as well. What might you you advise them to think about when they're they're thinking, or maybe I should try corporate, maybe I should try startups? How, how should they approach that? Yeah, there's a huge difference. So I would say the corporate world is amazing for stability and security you kind of get into a corporate and it's kind of, you can see that path ahead of you and there's lots and lots of opportunities for learning and development. And there's a lot of people around you ahead of you that have been there for, you know, five, 10, 15 years that you can kind of observe and learn from. And it's quite established, right? So you can kind of imagine what this organization does. And there's a very kind of set structure to the way things run. And, but then I guess it depends on your personality and what you enjoy, because the opposite of that is far more dynamic. You know, startups are changing on the instant every kind of couple of weeks, everything sort of changes and evolves um, and grows. And the pace of change is super, super fast. And that might be the thing that you're looking for um, in your work. You want to kind of learn quickly, be kind of in the weeds a little bit more. Um, I also found that, yeah, within big corporates, there's just so many more learning opportunities that are kind of more structured and formal. So I completed an accounting qualification at PwC and there was also a shit ton of kind of personal development sort of opportunities too. Whereas I think in startups, everyone around you is very much kind of new to what you're doing and what you're trying to build. So you're all kind of like figuring it out together, which can be really fun and exciting to work on that problem. But sometimes I think, and I think that's kind of speaks to why I did year here is I was looking for that more structured learning thing where you can say I actually now know how to do this rather than having to like google and kind of take online courses and do things in a slightly more kind of patched together way um, so there's definitely an advantage I think to having a, a kind of more structured approach to how your career is developing um, I do also think though in startups you just meet more interesting people and more kind of diverse set of people I think that world, the entrepreneurial world, new business world, everyone's swapping stories and there's like a real culture of sharing and talking about what you're doing, um, whereas corporates feel a bit more like a black box. So you kind of don't get that culture of collaboration and learning from one another. 
Um, so it just very much depends on the preference of the individual and what they're looking for. There's benefits to both sides, I think. And maybe actually a mix kind of like what I did was pretty cool. Mm. Actually. Cool. yeah no definitely and i think it's it's also probably links to that misconception that when you get to a, a graduate level or you get to that career defining point or whatever that is you have to stick with that thing forever or you have to stick with that thing for a number of years and then and then and then but actually the reality is so often as in your case that you know you can change you can shift you can find new purpose and find new new ways of working and i think one of the things that I'm interested to hear about from your journey is is the early adoption if you like of, re of remote working I see it's something that everyone now has to interact with understand maybe does themselves after after COVID of the, the last 12-13 months but actually with remote year it's something that you've had that exposure to earlier on in your in your career can you say that it was something that you know, you always knew might explode. Obviously, the pandemic is uh, something that we never saw coming. But what was your perspective from, yeah. from remote year? Yeah, so remote year was fascinating. Um, I joined the company back kind of mid-2017, so quite a few years before the pandemic hit. But even then, I kind of felt like I was looking into the future. I just... I was I really opened my eyes to the kinds of jobs that could be done remotely and, and realising that actually with the right kind of tweaks and changes, every job has the potential to kind of become remote specific, particularly the ones that are around kind of knowledge sharing and um, anything that's online based. There's obviously a range of jobs kind of in the physical world that are ch more challenging, but the number of jobs that are actually um, possible to do in a remote way was just kind of mind boggling. Everything from matchmaking to software development to customer service. Um, and it just, it showed me that actually anybody can kind of exist in this way and like work in a different kind of way and obviously for us it was quite extreme because we were traveling but even just working from home and that really hadn't shifted up in, I don't think in the UK yet so I could kind of see the future and think oh wow okay we are going to have a lot of changes on our hands and I thought it would be more gradual but obviously the pandemic hit and the speed sped up the kind of pace of change probably by about 10 years um, which was kind of exciting. Um, I do think that there was a lot of potential positives and negatives of the way that we did things obviously we were traveling the world so I think that kind of touches on the the impact of say tourists going around the world and like the impact that has on the environment and flying a lot and the local communities as well but I think it's here to stay both working from home and potentially even traveling and working at the same time so I hope we can do it in a kind of sustainable and socially impactful way. Yeah no definitely so to, to backtrack slightly maybe what the the, the detail of the program is is something to, to think about as well so it's kind of a, a program or a scheme where you travel around to different countries and stay there for, for maybe a few weeks at a time in each one working remotely trying to cultivate some of these new roles is that kind of the, the vibe yeah exactly so remote year is essentially just a platform it's a company that curates an experience so for example I was the program leader for a 12-month program where we spent a month in 12 different cities across four continents and remote year essentially arranges all the travel the accommodation the tech the really cool local um, traditional activities and fun culture experiences and all you do as a customer of remote year is pay your fees and then you get to travel and you come with your own remote job. So something that you already kind of set up and established to do um, that can be done kind of as you travel. And that experience is kind of 
crazy it's insane to kind of travel to a new place every single month and meet all these new people in a group and travel in that sort of community as well mm. yes yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like a super intense experience but I think as, as you mentioned it's one of those things that you have to always consider the other side of it you know it, it, it can be fun but it can also be super draining it can be uh, you know the kind of whirlwind experience but on the same time maybe it isn't the most sustainable thing or, or whatever there's always another side I think and uh, no, interesting to to think about about that from your perspective of actually maybe it's the way for some people but maybe not necessarily for everyone or maybe you know you should move on to stay in a place for longer or kind of what were your kind of main takeaways from the whole experience I I think probably halfway through I just craved some like a base I craved mm. being in one place for a long time and knowing the local environment having friends in the same place and actually like not living out out of a suitcase every single month um, and having like your home comforts you kind of you don't realize what you miss kind of living out of an Airbnb or a kind of you know a sort of what's the word a made up apartment that is in your own um, and you not you don't get to settle mm. in that place so I would love to kind of stay longer in each place once you get a bit comfortable kind of create a bit of a life around yourself um, I just missed I missed home a lot actually and I think it's it's really fun to be a nomad and it really gives you like an absolute whirlwind experience of different places but I would probably travel a lot slower if I could in the future and I would probably want to set up a base yeah I think having friends and family or kind of kind of routines where you live is so important just for your own mental health and well-being. Awesome so it really sounds like you've had quite a diverse number of experiences across both corporate startup but also on these different programs that have taught you a lot about the world around you. You can really see how that's kind of formed into impactful today and your kind of vision for, for the world. Kind of bringing that together then, how would you define a socially impactful business? Are all businesses impactful? Can they be? Or are some more impactful than others? And by which measure can we really attain the difference between them as well? Yeah, I, I think our philosophy is that every business should consider their impact because ultimately every individual and every business already has an impact. So all we're saying is look at the impact you're already creating, whether that's negative, neutral, positive, and actually actively, proactively think about that and try and change it to be positive. Um, whether or not we like, you know, whether or not we like it, we, we already are doing things that are kind of like changing people's lives or impacting the environment so this is about taking responsibility for the things that you're already doing and starting to kind of shift them and take that accountability and say okay actually we do use renewable uh, non-renewable energy sources for example so can we switch that and make that kind of a more sustainable choice both for ourselves in the present but also for future generations um and i think i think the, the mindset is shifting i think we used to have a very old school way of running businesses before but I think a lot of people and a lot of organisations are kind of realising that they have a kind of wider responsibility to society and to our planet. Um, and hopefully there's kind of a, a real set shift in how we're going to be doing things in the future. Nice. Awesome. I think there's perhaps two different types of businesses that I'm kind of seeing that are coming out of the modern day. One's a business that bakes in social impact from day one and they make it as part of their business model. So it's almost how they operate is by having social impact. But then other businesses perhaps are more profit orientated and they aim to generate 
profit for shareholders. So for them, social impact is more of an afterthought. It's a CSR piece. So with the second business in mind, with the ones which are perhaps bigger corporates that do want to make a difference, want to have impact, how can they prioritize the social side of what they do when there's no direct measure to the bottom line? So I think, and this is a really interesting point that we kind of are always trying to talk about, is that I think we need to actually completely rethink that narrative. I think 100% it does impact your bottom line. It's actually all about future-proofing your organisation. So how is your organisation going to be relevant in one, two, five, ten years' time if it doesn't seriously consider the impact it has on the environment? And also things like, you know, how you treat people is very pragmatic to the business, how you treat your customers, how you treat your suppliers, how you treat your staff, right? If you want to be hiring um, the like Gen Z that are kind of coming out of university right now, they are super impact focused and sustainability kind of conscious. So how, do you, how are you going to find, train, you know, retain the best talent out there? You kind of need to be showing these credentials, otherwise you're going to be kind of left behind, I think. And I genuinely think it's all about that competitive advantage in the market. And this is something that you can prioritise and do and do ahead of a lot of your competitors and other organisations and really kind of start to stand out against them. Um, and I think if you think about it in commercial terms, the question really to ask yourself is that can you afford not to do these things? And there might be some short term benefit to that. Maybe, you know, there's an investment you need to make right now in the next few years to really start um, transitioning your your business in this way but sooner or later there's going to be a kind of push from the outside that's going to force you to change and I think the kind of the exciting thing is that you can actually do that now and do it on your own terms um, and start really thinking about the kind of future sustainable regenerative impactful organization that you want to be um, every single industry is being reshaped right now in favor of more sustainable practices and thinking more about the people that are being impacted and I think the people that are going to take have the biggest advantage are the ones that move first. So why not be one of those organisations rather than the organisation that changes things right at the last minute when legislation or policy changes? Yeah, I think the key word there is future proofing, mm. both in terms of picking up the right employees that, and their needs, the Gen Z, but also making it so you can do business in the future. But a really interesting part of that is that with the modern day Gen Z, but also with boards, directors, they're only there for necessarily three to five years. So why is it in their interest and how can we incentivize them to actually think beyond the relative short term of five years and towards the longer term of 20, 25 years? And I, th I think that is a really big question and it is really, really hard. It's really hard to shift ourselves, even as individuals, from shorter term incentive to longer term incentives. I think I think personally for me it's about the legacy that you want to create as, as an organization you know in 10 years time or 20 years time what kind of organization do you want to be known as you know if you're a Patagonia or a Ben and Jerry's you can look back and be like wow we really shifted things we really stood for something and you know if you want to be a kind of traditional business and have traditional business values and not do anything particularly innovative or exciting that's fine you'll probably survive make some money you know have a few staff everyone's okay but there's a real kind of opportunity here to create brands and organizations that fundamentally make things different and better and, and it's also innovation I think a lot of businesses want to be ambitious and want to have that challenge and I think that's that's the big question for leadership is you know what is the opportunity here how can you innovate and create something new and better for the world and for your organization and there is a real commercial 
angle to that if you look for it in the right way and that's what we kind of really talk about impactful is we're not just saying do impact because it's the right thing to do do impact because it's actually good for your business and the right thing to do too yeah 100 so i think something that i want to to bring or think about is how we measure or register different types of capital within a business so the kind of traditional view is obviously financial capital. That's the main leverage that a business can have and can deploy in order to generate more revenue to pay their staff, et cetera. But actually within corporate social responsibility, within this movement of sustainability, all of these different things that we're kind of bundling together as impact, what are you seeing on a, on a ground level of how we can measure things like social capital? Because these are quite new concepts really to, to leadership. There's, it's it's really new to businesses, but actually it's not new to kind of the world of impact and sustainability. Mm. So there are actually absolutely loads of frameworks and standards and ways of measuring impact that are really robust and are really kind of almost, if you think about um, the financial reporting standards that we have for businesses, there are equally robust ones around environmental impact and social impact. So it's just about adoption and kind of it being more widely spread and also for people within businesses to learn and to be trained how to use them. In fact, that's kind of kind of like what we try to do is actually say these things already exist out there. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel and create a new way of impact measurement. Let's actually all start to use the same language and the same measurement frameworks, because that way we can start to compare and contrast and sort of use the same baselines for organizations to say, like, who's doing OK, who, where can we improve? what kind of areas have the most impact um it's kind of like how we start to compare financial reports because we have the same data for organizations we can kind of do that and i think we do have that those tools and resources for impact it's just that most businesses have never had to use them and we're starting to see the big corporates the kind of FTSE 250 start integrating some of that kind of reporting and measurement into their um, work but it's really hard for I think the smaller organizations to find the resource and the training and the development to do that which is part of what Impactful is here to do is to kind of introduce businesses to what these things mean and how they're actually really valuable to start gathering that information and making chase changes based on that data. Mm. So kind of data-driven approach thinking about using common language common vocabulary around all of these things and and, and as you mentioned the Kind of size of business seems to be a big factor as well in this in this rate or this phase of adoption whereby a bigger business has a kind of higher likelihood that they will adopt some of these frameworks some of these measurements earlier than smaller businesses because they have the resource so within that then how can we persuade or or bring senior leadership from those bigger organizations who need to be the ones paving the way those kind of first first movers those early adopters how can we bring them with us almost? How can we kind of make them converted before preaching to them as the converted, if you like, kind of getting them to see that light that actually all of these frameworks, the impact, doing all of these different things is a commercial decision. It is good for the business, 10, 10 year outlook. Like how can we start to really bring them with us on, on, a, on a level? Because I think, if I've learned anything so far, kind of nothing happens in big organizations without senior leadership. So how can we engage those senior leaders within, within the impact space? Yes, big question. And I think there's a lot of resistance to change, right? Within 
the mm. older generation, the people that have been running these businesses successful successfully for a really long time. Why change when what you're doing isn't broken in some senses? But I think it kind of goes to what I was saying before and what you just mentioned there, which is around the future proofing. Like if you want your organization to be around in 10 years time, you need to be ready for those changes. Particularly, I think the environment is becoming a lot more acute because so much there's so much legal change that's happening. You know, in, in nine years time, we won't have petrol vehicles anymore. And I don't think we can even imagine what that world looks like at this point, but things like that where you do not want to be sticking around with your kind of old school technologies and like not adapting to change um, and being around being essentially irrelevant in the future. I think it's about that convincing them of that business case, but also maybe it's about incentives. Like what is, what is their incentive to change? What, what do they care about? What motivates them? What excites them as an individual or as a kind of business leader? And I think the legacy point is really important. I think the commercial points are really important. I think just a lot of, organ- I, don't, I don't think a lot of leaders are kind of awful people. They, they, they just want a reasonable argument. They want a logical way of thinking about it. And they probably also want a plan. They want a strategy. They don't just want to be told that there's a problem. They want to be shown that there are some really practical solutions. So how can you make it easy for them to see, okay, if we reduce our environmental emissions, um, it can actually save us money. And this is the impact it has on the environment. Like there's almost a kind of win-win there. So how can you show them the plan and make it really tangible and make it so that there's not really any reason to say no, it's a kind of win-win for everyone. Nice. Yeah, I think that's definitely a great approach. And an idea just came to my mind. So I kind of throw it out there. Or if you're all singing from the same hymn sheet, they're all using the same measures and you can directly compare across different organizations. Is there not a way you can create a leaderboard or different standards of organizations like a bronze, silver, gold, through which they can be incentivized by social impact? Would that be something that you've seen through your work to be possible and something that could actually create that external incentive purely about the social impact rather than about the impact there within on the bottom line? Totally. I think a lot of the measurement frameworks and accreditations that exist out there start to sort of do this. So you probably have heard a lot about the B Corp movement. And I think once an organization becomes a B Corp, they're suddenly part of this sort of elite impact community, right? If you've got that on your website, um, we've heard a lot of stories from businesses who say that, oh, when they're looking for suppliers, they prioritize B Corps because it's essentially a shorthand for this is a good organization. You don't have to do the due, the, the, uh, like due diligence of checking their social environmental like credentials you can say okay well they've been through this process they've been benchmarked against other organizations and they come out really highly and they've been allowed to become a b corp and i think there's a lot of other frameworks and measurements that kind of do the same thing which basically shortcut you to say this is a good business and if you're and if you as an organization who is procuring services for example and you're looking for uh, i just want an organization that i know is ethical and i know is sustainable if you've got some of these check boxes ticked if you're a B Corp, if you're kind of, you know, benchmarked or have um, reporting standards by the SASB or one of these other frameworks, you can kind of start to see that, okay, this company takes their stuff seriously. We trust them. We can see the transparency of what they're doing to make their business better. And we're going to go with them because of the work they've already done. Um, and so I think, yeah, you're right. Like the more we can showcase which businesses are doing this well, the easier it will be to sort of get to a tipping point where every business is sort of incentivized to do it because everyone else is doing it around them. 
I think that's a really powerful point that is of being able to choose a business not purely based upon them being the cheapest option or not being the best option. Like the best definition is changing. And by adding in that B Corp definition, that B Corp label, that's almost contributing to the best factor being something more than it previously was. So perhaps previously it might not have been the cheapest option, but it could have been the best quality times by the lowest price. But now it's thinking best quality times by lowest price times by social impact as well. And that's actually impacting decision-making for those who are finding clients or working with suppliers as well, which is really, really powerful. I think proving that through data and showing that and reporting that back would be awesome in terms of convincing people that it needs to be done as well, which I think is really, really interesting. To kind of flip the script a little bit and think about those in early careers who are perhaps in these organizations that not necessarily resisting change, but aren't really driving it or are kind of putting it as a side project rather than a central focus of their delivery. What should they do as an early careers? Should they stand up for what they believe in and should they vote with their feet if they have to? By leaving or moving on like what's the strategy if you're a young person working in these big corporates or working even in a startup space anywhere really where you want them and you think they can have impact but they're just not really listening to what's out there yeah and it's a really hard place to be when you don't feel like you're making that change and you care about something and it's not really happening in the organizations you're working in but I think start by having conversations internally because inevitably there will be other people who kind of are interested or curious or have tried stuff and it hasn't kind of worked out because there's going to be a lot of collective knowledge in the organization about what is what works and what won't work so I think start by creating a bit of a community around it whether you make it formal like an employee resource group or a little action committee or something so then also you also have people to bounce ideas around and you're kind of creating a bit of a coalition about the things that you care about within the organization and also I would say don't leave your organization or don't think that the only solution is to leave because we really do need people who are passionate and advocating for change within organizations that are kind of stuck and need to change we can't have everybody leave and go and work for charities and social enterprises as much as that would be very nice we the vast majority of businesses are kind of corporate and traditional and old school and they need to change too um, and so we need these people inside those organizations kind of being entrepreneurial and kind of innovating and thinking about how they convince their stakeholders to think better about these things um, and I think if, if you're struggling within your organization make sure you're still doing all the things that you care about outside so you have immense power as a consumer so if you feel like you're not getting very far within your role as an organization make remember you can have huge changes in your personal life with how you spend your money and the way that you live and making those changes can be just as impactful I think and that's really powerful the fact that you've kind of spoken against that standard approach of oh I don't fit in here these people don't have my values thus I must leave and find those that do and instead kind of sparking that entrepreneur within actually changing organizations from the inside because if you think about it logically I guess if all those people whose values don't fit leave then it kind of just creates an organization that doesn't really want to change at all I think that's a really powerful part to be in of like being the leader of that change in the organization and perhaps even seeing it as you would any other project that you have to go and convince stakeholders of and get buy-in and then pitch across the organization I think that's really really powerful as well my only kind of contention to that would be say if you're in a corporate which is valuing delivery results shortest time possible 
and then you go and spend a lot more time on this work on top of it when you're expected to spend that time on the business on the corporate how can you justify that to the management and create that change by being that entrepreneur when they might judge you negatively for spending time on something that they think is valuable yeah and I think every every individual situation might be different and I, I certainly found that at PwC where I got to a point where I felt like I had done as much as I could internally and I was too much of a small fish in a big pond and I just couldn't see the impact and I felt like either I'm going to commit to a 20-year career here or I'm going to leave and find a way to have more immediate impact um, and can kind of see the outcomes of my work and so I think sometimes the decision is right to really consider and challenge yourself to say like am I in, in a place where I can do my best work and can actually have the sort of change can you see the path to any sort of change or kind of movement within the organization and sometimes you do make that decision to kind of jump ship in some way um but I don't but then I think there's a real opportunity to stay connected to those organizations so I'm still connected to PwC and actually some of the relationships that I've maintained since then have actually been really useful now as impactful um and reconnecting with those organizations and you never know when they might change or when their kind of heads might be turned towards some of this stuff and if you keep those like really positive relationships that partnership could exist and help you in three or four years time down the line so I think just being really clear about what you're passionate about and not throwing the entire organization out when you feel like it's it's not working for you but also just making the right decision for you at any given time is is what has to happen like if you're being drained and worked really really hard you're probably not going to be feeling your best and actually if you need to bounce because of that then so be it yeah definitely and I think there's there's a couple of things to to talk about for, for me so do you think that there's a confusion maybe definitionally between social impact on the side of a business or from the um, position of leadership and kind of charity work right and just um you know doing things for free and kind of well, like the, the definitional side of things how, how do we differentiate between social impact and charity and kind of the role of business in achieving some of these outcomes when we talk about impact yeah great question um i we we're very intentional about definitions so when looking out into the world and thinking about how businesses have more positive impact in the world there's a lot of terminology out there right there's things like csr corporate social responsibility or triple bottom line or um sustainability or purpose or being mission driven and for us all of those things just don't really cut 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 the mustard you know they're, they're sort of a bit wishy-washy you know what does it mean to have a purpose as an organization like surely every business has, an yeah, has a purpose every business has a mission your mission could be to sell really cheap clothes and have them in, you know it, you, it doesn't really tell you what the good thing is and it doesn't hold you accountable to an actual measure of what you're what you're doing and, and it also doesn't ask you to change um, and I think our personal limitation and like kind of reason why we don't use CSR a lot is because CSR puts impact or responsibility to the kind of periphery it sort of says you continue doing whatever you want as an organization um, but maybe your staff will get two days of volunteer time a year and it's like cool like that's nice but why not interrogate you know your supply chain and your environmental impact it kind of doesn't incentivize change in the kind of fundamentals of the business so we pick impact very very specifically because it's asking you to say okay 
where's the negative impact that you're currently having like let's make sure that is down as much as possible then you go on to have positive impact and that's kind of thinking about your stakeholders and making sure that every single individual that you come into contact with and the environmental impacts of everything that you do is really thought about and measured and changed if needed and then you think about okay well like how do we pick a problem to help with how do we kind of contribute to solutions um and so we kind of go along that process and we really need to be more um rigorous I think about the about the language that we use and then on the kind of point around which who's responsible for what the, the, the private sector is probably responsible for a lot of negative impact as it is kind of currently that would be my personal feelings towards things so it kind of feels like there is a huge responsibility for them to account for the externalities of the work that they do you know in kind of pure economic thinking it's just there there are these negative externalities which are kind of created through running businesses that are just not incorporated within the operations of an organization and how do we say okay actually businesses you are responsible for making sure that everybody that you pay is paid a living wage or you know that your suppliers are being ethical through what they do and allowing them to sort of absorb that responsibility a little bit more and then governments and third sectors have huge responsibility right governments sort of set the policy and the direction for what they want society to be and kind of encourage and incentivize different parties and then the third sector is amazing like they do a lot of work but what I learned a year here and so I guess the philosophy that follows me from there is that the third sector can be very unsustainable it's very reliant on donations fundraising grants which can often really kind of shape the, the and make very unstable the sort of progress of those organizations so actually business in its in its kind of inherent sustainability the way that it sort of finds a problem solves it creates money and sustains itself is actually a really good solution for, for, for problems if we use that model to fix social problems we'll probably have a lot more success which is actually why a lot of the year here ventures are social enterprises because they sell something or provide a service and then support people on the back end so if we can take that philosophy into the more corporate world I think we can have a lot of progress and a lot of impact there yeah totally and I think that is the kind of nail on the head of where Househack's trying to go in terms of being socially impactful from the beginning and and I think really what I, I sense from everything that you say and and hopefully back myself as well is is actually it's about how we structure business models into the future and how we integrate impact within them rather than maybe in the traditional csr way sort of sideline them or or, or you know create enough profit in order to x philanthropic initiative x csr initiative is kind of you know we've we've almost skipped that phase and gone straight to okay we need to create as integrated a model as possible that benefits all stakeholders and actually maximizes that value which are, which is kind of a, a callback to what i mentioned earlier on that social capital point of actually it's not just about financial value financial value is at the core of business model of course it is but it's actually about how can we measure value beyond that and acknowledge that as a measurement and then through that all stakeholders benefit and actually some of those externalities that we're talking about will reduce or will cease to exist over time kind of point that i'd continue to to think about how we can have a home is what's the practicalities behind that then you know so it's all well and good thinking about business models and externalities and and some of that but actually maybe in this initial 
phase as we think about the commercialization of social impact it's about making a business case and it's about saying well what is it what is in it for me what why is it worthwhile and so would, would you say that that's the place to start for everyone right now when they're thinking about assessing their impact starting from zero whether they know that they have x amount of positive impact is it about trying to assess the business cases of every initiative or every kind of element that they do is that where you kind of start with your clients with impactful yeah so we take a very bespoke approach with our clients because every business is different every organization will have different like constraints priorities challenges things that they're concerned about or want to be challenging so we often will do a bit of a diagnostic on both what their impact currently looks like so you know really we do an impact measurement say okay you're doing great on these things you've got a lot of work to do in environmental stuff or how you look after your team or you have no real insight over your value chain so let's kind of say that that needs work but then we'll also do a, di a diagnostic around their commercial needs and challenges so like where are the biggest pain points that you're currently facing is it because you're losing clients because of x or is it you're not you're kind of the growth of, of sales isn't quite you know up to scratch and then we try to find solutions that tackle both things because that's the best place to start right we're a place where you can increase impact but also solve some kind of commercial problem and we think there are loads of things that sit as solutions in that space um so that's where we often start so taking a bit of an impact measurement and then also saying what do you care most about what are your biggest priorities as a business and then ideating and coming up with some exciting kind of innovation to solve both those problems at the same time and then I think really the kind of broader question that you're asking yourself as a business leader if you want to take this stuff seriously is look at what you already do as an organization and how can you make that thing best in class and you know you're really thinking about being a better business and that covers so many different areas I suppose mm. Um, and for us, we have like a kind of a framework that we use around that um, for our goals that we call them like impactful goals. Um, and that takes you through sort of your mission and what that stands for and what that enables you to do. Be investing in kind of re responsible leadership. So having the policies in place and the, the measurement and the reporting that holds you accountable to your stakeholders. Then we talk about your team and how to create a really diverse, how to create an environment where a diverse team can, a diverse team can thrive. Then we talk about your value chain. So looking at every single thing that you interact with, all the materials, resources, people, and making sure that that's a kind of really ethical, sustainable process. Then we think about the environmental impact and then looking at your voice and communications. And finally, this sort of more innovative um, goal around contributing to solutions. So what are the big challenges that you're kind of aligning yourself with as an organization? And we sort of take organizations through that process and say, what is most important to you? Where can you start? And start small because there's no point trying to change your entire organization overnight. But if you start finding the things that you care most about and start kind of slowly making those changes, it starts to snowball because you sort of see the impact really quickly. And then you also see the commercial benefits quickly. And then you're you're incentivized to do more and more of it as as the, the two things sort of improve in tandem over time. I think from the perspective of a of a business owner or, or a leader within an organization everything that you just said is fantastic but it's also quite overwhelming right so with and of course that's exactly why impactful exists is to make that journey towards impact easier but maybe from the perspective of a leader is it the job of, of the leader themselves to, to guide their the organizations or actually is it their own 
employees, their own teams, their own maybe HR teams too, of actually they're not making the business case well enough internally. They're not putting the pieces together well enough for or with senior leadership. And I'm sure it's a bit of both, but um, yeah, is it is it kind of really trying to break it down and start from from zero? Is that the only place to start? I don't think so. I think it can start anywhere. It could start with somebody that's really passionate. That's like a new grad who just comes in with a real burst of energy and excitement for this stuff. Or we've also seen in some of the businesses we've worked with, as somebody in the leadership team suddenly just gets like a kind of itch. They've like had a conversation with another friend or another CEO, or they've seen it happen in another organization, or even, you know, one of the organizations we've worked with, they just had kids and they were just starting to kind of question what they do with their time and how they use their sort of skills and expertise and what they want their business to be it just kind of made them think about the bigger picture a little bit more and they started having that sort of legacy conversation in their own head and um, wherever it starts it's about creating conversation it shouldn't really ever be top down or 100% bottom up you need leadership buy-in and permission and kind of resource allowances to sort of make that stuff happen but ultimately it's not the leader who's going to be day-to-day running these things so you have to bring people along the way with you so if you're going to be improving things with your teams your HR team needs to be really bought into that and really understand why you're doing it and what the benefits are and how it's helped and also creating time for those individuals to do it there's no point saying you've got to do your nine to five and then on top of it around the edges we're also going to try and be a more impactful Um, team and increase our diversity or whatever it has to be kind of incorporated into their roles and they have to be incentivized to do it um so maybe that you know involves bringing it into their okrs and report and like performance management so you can say if you do this then you're actually being a successful employee at this organization and that starts to align the people at the bottom and the leadership are kind of saying we are prioritizing this and making it important to our organization nice i think that's a really important and helpful point really for anyone who wants to create change is that it needs to have an idol it needs to have a what or how can i be the best at this you can be the best this through your okrs through performance management through the measures this is what the outcome can be so with all that in mind with that starting point and that potential next steps how do you see the future of socially impactful businesses in the next five to ten years very optimistic I think there's a lot of different things that are changing at the moment that feel like maybe we'll reach a tipping point in the next few years where maybe even sooner than a few years few months where the incentives are going to shift so much more heavily to making this a priority a few of the ones that I will mention um so you've got all of the climate targets that are being set around the world by governments by organizations a lot of um commitments are being made globally which kind of encourages everybody particularly for example I think one of the biggest ways that the change is going to happen is going to be through procurement so the government have just um, released an initiative where all public procurement so anything that's bought by the government itself 10% of the the weighting of evaluation has to be around social value so when they're assessing different contracts and different proposals coming in, they're going to have to start waiting the impact that it has on people and the planet as part of that process. And you just think, you know, I think the government procures about a third of things kind of in, in the economy. So if they're starting to say that you need to start factoring that in, think of all the businesses they're going to be um, buying from that are going to have to change. 
So that feels to me like a very, very big one, particularly also kind of in the same vein, if FTSE 100 companies are all starting to take this very seriously, all the small fish and businesses in their ecosystems are going to have to start changing to meet these new higher demands of these big organisations and governments that are sort of shaping the market around them. I also think there's some interesting legal changes that are being advocated for. So I'm not sure if you've heard of the Better Business Act. Um, they are an organisation who are essentially trying to get the companies, um, the Companies Act um, changed to actually say that you're not just as an organization responsible for creating shareholder value, you're also encouraged and uh, kind of, it's inc included within the um, remit of a business to look after people on the planet. And you can imagine just, just that sort of legal shift in the wording of how you set up a business automatically creates a lot more opportunity. You can actually say, I'm, I don't just exist as a business to make money for my shareholders. I exist to have a much more responsible kind of attitude about things. That to me, if that goes through and if that kind of changes would be huge. Um, and I think the pandemic has also created a lot of opportunity where people have reconnected with their local communities. They've kind of reassessed their priorities around health and well-being. They've had a taste for flexible working. A lot of these things aren't going away and people are going to kind of retain those needs around their own personal, physical health and well-being and mental health and well-being. If that's the case, how are businesses going to have to change both as employers but also as um, people providing uh, goods and services right people want more kind of connected experiential things they want to look after their health and well-being they want to be supported in their roles at work and to be honest that's going to have to be businesses that sort of meet that demand so I'm kind of optimistic that we're going in a good direction but it will be interesting to see how businesses recover kind of post-pandemic and if we actually see a good uptick in just recovery more than anything and that will allow a lot of these changes to come through hopefully. Nice. I think that's a really awesome summary actually a really useful kind of holistic viewpoint and I think the starting point of if you start with the top of the value chain it will actually really filter down it's really powerful especially both with governments and with big corporates because even if they have to if you're a supplier and you supply only half to the government because they require 10% to be socially impactful as part of their measurements, then you have to change anyway. So even the other 50% that you are not serving directly as a measure, they're kind of getting the benefit anyway. So it's pretty interesting that it becomes top down, but because the bottom has to reflect it, it also goes bottom up as well, the opposite way both, both times as well. So that's really, really insightful, really interesting as well. And I think that wider impact, that wider change in law change of definition although it can come with extended pressure especially right now having to deliver shareholder value it's already a big deal as a business owner uh, but then having to think about oh i have to care about the environment as well it's like well okay that's, that's a lot of pressure on myself a lot of pressure on whoever's running a business so i think it's about having the leaders embrace that as well which is really interesting and really them being both adherent to the law but also probably thinking beyond it of oh let's not just stick within what the law says but actually let's try and do more that's probably really key to it as well i don't know if uh, ryan you got any other further thoughts on the future of social impact i think the the point i i will bring back is the importance over the next months and years of collective vocabulary and collective measurement i think bringing everyone towards the same standards is going to be the biggest shift and because I, I think we see it across different 
industries, you know, even something as simple across review websites, we all know what five stars means. We forget that that's a system that we all adhere to. Uh, you know, you think of, of films and the different categories they're in, uh, you know, your PGs, your 18s, all of that. That's a system of measurement that we all agree to. And we kind of forget about it because we all use the same one. So if we can get to a point where on a business level, we all in a similar way of how we financially report can impact report in a similar way, then we'll see a massive leap ahead, I think, pretty, pretty quickly. So there's probably a bit of a rat race internally in, in terms of the industry of who's going to be those accreditations and who's going to be the, be the organisations to take that lead on an institutional level. But I think once we get there, um, which, yeah, I sense will be not too far away within, within four or five years, I would think, we'll get to a point where it's easier for businesses who are not just the big corporates to engage with because it takes less resource to engage in the first place. So I think that will be the biggest shift for me that, that I think will, will have the biggest impact. I think on that point, particularly around the, the measurements and frameworks, I would encourage people to check out the Impact Management Project. They are essentially a non-profit that houses and, and creates a consortium around all the different impact measurement framework organizations that are out there. Every single one of them is sort of feeds into this consortium and they are essentially consolidating and finding those common ways of doing things. Um, so it is coming and I think we're, we're seeing that change and that just, just, just like what's the word, the desire to have that common language come quite quickly and so we might see it sooner than you think. Amazing. Love that. I'll link that in the description as well. But Rima, thank you so much for jumping on today. Really enjoyed our conversation. And of course, people can find you on LinkedIn and connect with Impactful at impactful.world. So thank you so much for jumping on. Thanks for having us. It's great. Great conversation and really excited about what you guys are up to. And yeah, if anyone wants to jump on and have a chat with me, always open for that. So get in touch. That's it for today from the House Hack podcast. The best place to find us is LinkedIn at House Hack Events, the company page, and personally on LinkedIn at Ryan McGee and Real Charlie Rogers. We really appreciate your listening support. Leave us a review if you enjoyed our episode, and we'll see you the next one.